Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ethan, on me! I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm gonna take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. What up, what up, fan? It'd be nice. It's going to be great stuff. Before we get into that, if you're not on YouTube, make sure you go there and subscribe, Fantasy Football Hustler. Go subscribe on Twitch, Fantasy Football Hustler. And go subscribe on every podcast out there, Fantasy Football Hustler. Appreciate you. And if you are looking to get into any dynasty leagues, go join the community, FantasyFootballHustler.com, or go to Patreon.com slash Hustler. 420. We got a Discord chat that is live 24-7. We just filled up our fourth Dynasty League. We're going to start filling up the fifth one very, very soon. So go check it out, guys. Patreon.com slash FFHustler420 or go to FantasyFootballHustler.com. Patreon's the top link. All righty. Recurring guest. We've seen him here before. My man, Rob Van, the IDP man. What the rock I can uh, I can really get used to these uh, WWE entrance musics. I, uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Of that. Thanks for having me again. Always psyched to come and uh, talk some of this rookie class. This is my wheelhouse, so I'm uh, I'm ready to rock and roll and talk about this edge class. Hell yeah! And uh, I told you a little bit before. Um off uh, off camera how i was impressed with these guys like compared to the dbs i got a little bit bored you know watching um some of the highlights and stuff but these guys i was entertained the entire time so i'm excited to break some of these guys down yep absolutely how, how about we start with one of the uh the miami studs here uh greg russo this, this dude was a stud like uh he was the first guy on your list he was the first uh batch of uh, highlights that i saw and uh wow yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Russo is such an interesting case and probably the most polarizing player in this class on the at the edge position, at least. Um, the way, you know, people are going to love him or hate him. Um, I'm, I lean towards, I'm probably going to have, have him lower than a lot of people are. Um, I just wasn't wowed by the film. I didn't think he was, you know, that great. But, you know, his production was top notch. Um, and that's something you can't ignore. Um, he won a lot with his athleticism as opposed to winning with like a toolkit. Um, and that to me was kind of, you know, I don't know, red flaggy, but again, at the end of the day, you can't ignore production. Um, so for me, I'm, he's not my edge one. Um, and he only had that one year of production, which was another red flag for me. Um, whereas a lot of these guys have multiple years of good, solid production. Um, but again, at the end of the day, you can't ignore production um, on the film, I just wasn't impressed, but again, you know, I, it looked like when he was running around, he was almost running in cement, uh, to me at least. Um, but again, I, 
you know, that's just me. I, I see the upside. I see, you know, his freak size and he is athletic. Um, there's no denying that. And again, like I said, the production is there and that's what you look for. And that's really, I mean, my takeaway, I mean, obviously you've watched, I mean, I don't even know how much more film than I've actually watched. I've literally just watched a highlight reel. So obviously it's his best plays, but that was one thing uh, you pointed out like the athleticism and sometimes just winning because of the athleticism, not necessarily the talent. So I could see where you're coming from with that, because if he doesn't get coached up the right way, or if he doesn't, you know, correct some of these mistakes that he has in college. I mean, his, his type of game, he could get eaten up alive. Exactly. I think, you know, the you can't teach athleticism, so there's one thing there. And the fact, you know, he was only really a starter for a year, so he didn't get, you know, coached up too much. He was a 2020 opt-out and, um, you know, took the time to prepare for the prepare for the draft and all that and the draft process. And uh, he showed well at his pro days, you know, no red flags there. You know, the athleticism, you know, went with him there. Um, so, I mean, it, and, you know, I there were a couple interviews. You know, I'm a weird guy. I look at the interviews and stuff too they do in the offseason. Um, there were a few interviews. He did one with PFF and um, with somebody else. And it, it did sound like he was taking the, the process seriously where he was, you know, every day, day in, day out, working, striving to be better. And um, he was, I believe he's worked, he's been working with one of like the top uh, defensive line trainers um, that is a former NFL player. So that's stuff you love to see that he's linked up with somebody who's, you know, trained some of the best in the league. I think like Yannick Ngakwe is one. Um, and some of these other, you know, stud edge players that are, you know, good in the league already. So that's something you love to see. Like I said, the upside is huge with Russo. He is, I truly believe like, the boomer bust prospect of this class. He's either going to be just, you know, the stud of the class and end up being the guy that, you know, kind of says, screw you to you guys for passing on me. Or he's just going to be a guy that flares out, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I know there's a lot of people that are really high on him. And I'm cool with that. Like I said, I see the upside, but I'm personally not going to be investing high, high draft capital into the guy. Um, for me personally, come draft, I do think he's a day one prospect that needs a little bit of polish, um, but I could see him slide to the second and I wouldn't even blink. Um, he should, he's definitely a day two, early day two, probably. Um, but more than likely, I would say round one. We shall see one thing. I know that Miami's defense, I mean, was had a lot of studs. Do you think that he's the beneficiary of, um, you know, just some other like hogs on that defensive line? There, there's definitely a school of thought to that or a thought process to that that makes sense. I don't know entirely if that's the entire case because, I mean, he had Quincy, he played alongside Quincy Roche, but he didn't play alongside uh, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips was actually a transfer. He played in 2020 while Russo was gone. Um, oddly enough, he even played with the same number that Russo had, um, which is kind of weird to me. But, uh, you know... I don't think so. I don't. I would not credit his success really to the other players around him, like focusing on that. I will say that I do feel like there were cases where he kind of lucked into a sack here, or there where it seemed like the quarterback kind of stumbled over his lineman's feet, and he was the first one to tag him, so he got credited <laughs> with the sack. There was a couple plays like that. Again, it's not his whole reel, but you know, it it does inflate numbers and inflate production. 
Um, but again, at the end of the day, like I, I do see athleticism there and skill there, and I, I wouldn't credit that to the rest of the defense. Nice. Before we move on to the next guy here, you did mention um, how he went, he's doing these interviews. He's taking the process really seriously. He's working with one of the um, NX, um, NX player who coaches up defensive linemen. I want to say like after last year, like someone like James Robinson coming in and just hitting the ground running, those who are taking the process like super, super seriously, they're just going to get a little bit of an uptick when it comes to the type of stuff that we hear out of training camp. Like um, like James Robinson, his biggest thing was he literally never put the playbook down until he had it memorized. And so that was a really easy reason for them to get rid of Leonard Fournette. They knew that he was taking it seriously. They knew that they could bank on him. So yeah, those are little things that I'm going to be trying to pick up on this year and pay attention to because they could make a difference. Yeah, ab- absolutely. With the, you know, honestly, with these 2020 opt-outs, I really feel like there's two schools of thought with these guys. I think, you know, the NFL said, oh, we're not going to hold anybody accountable for any reason or anything like that. But I think there's a school of thought where it's like the guy almost gets a knock for opting out of 2020. But then there's the guys who opted out of 2020 and showed up and killed their pro days. They look more pro-ready because they were able to get agents and, you know, get into the pro-style game. And I think the players that can show that are going to be very highly sought after by these by these NFL execs. Um, I could be wrong, but I do think that's a possibility. Well, I, I mean, the training, if you get on with an agent, you're going to be trained like a pro athlete. You know, like they're going to make sure that you got the training regimen down exactly. like, a, like a pro athlete. So. I don't know if the opting out, I, I don't know how much I will get behind that that hurts somebody's stock. It'll be, you know, it'll just, be, it'll be the old whites that if it hurt, if it causes any stock, it'll be because the old whites said so. Yeah. But I don't, <laughs> I don't think it'll actually hurt anybody as long as they were able to, you know, put that into effect. You know, like you look at Jamar Chase, you look at Micah Parsons, these guys that opted out and crushed their pro days, you know, just showed up as, physical specimens, you know, studying the game for a whole season to be pro ready. Those are the guys that are going to really, you know, show up on draft day and probably show up early in the NFL. You know, it would be funny if these opt outs change something to where you didn't have to be in the, in college for three years. I, I know that everyone who's coming out, you know, they will have been in there three years, but you know, they've only, some of these guys have only played for two. So right. I hope it, it does change some of that because these guys, you know, they, they link up with the right agent. You get the right training regiment. And um, it's really about how bad they want it. All these guys are freaks of nature. Right. Exactly. Let's talk about another freak of nature out of Texas, Joseph Osai. Um, one question I have before you get into him. I saw him lining up like literally everywhere, three-point stance, you know, off the three-point stance. Um, talk about that just somewhere mixed in of what – because I just – I don't watch a lot of college – but me seeing that, I'm like, how the fuck is that going to translate yeah, to the right. NFL? <laughs> yeah, college defenses are stupid wonky with how they use players. Um, and I think a lot of that boils down to just the availability of players they have that they trust putting on the field. But, yeah, no, he was a Swiss Army knife in terms of, you know, the ways he would line up. Um, you know, like you said, three-point stance, you know, stand-up rush, uh, you know, off-ball, wherever they – you know, he pretty much lined it up, lined up in every outside linebacker, off-ball linebacker, you know, down edge, you know, wherever you wanted him, he was there, and he he performed pretty well everywhere. Um, 
Joseph Osai was a guy I really I didn't care for at first. And my a couple of my buddies shout out Maddie Big Chess and Nate NFL. Um they were like, oh Joseph Osai, Joseph Osai. And I'm like, man, I just wasn't impressed. And then like, you know, I'm like, all right, I'll I'll go look at his film again and see. And, and I'm like, man, what was I what was like I kind of I must have just seen a few bad plays right away. And then like just I was just like, wow, this guy is stupid, stupid high motor. Um, you know, all the all the cliches, you know, stupid high motor, you know, strong tackler, playmaker, um, leader on that defense. And uh like like we already touched on, you the versatility is huge. Where he ends up in the NFL, who knows how does it translate? It's gonna depend on who wants to put him where. Um, the one the I'd say the one knock I really had on him was and what really I think part of what turned me off right away was there were times where he'd line up and he'd just be like set up like in a blocking position almost like a tight end would sit up the block and it was weird to me but what it, when I would notice this happening seemed to be on um pretty given run plays you know first and ten second and ten uh, or second and five whatever um you know pretty pretty giveaway run plays and I think what it was was basically in an effort to find a way to get off that that first run block that he was going to take. And the reason why it's kind of concerning to me or odd is like you just don't see that a lot in the NFL. Um, and I wonder if that's just like he had issue going from a pass rush stance to a to a run block or a run block shed. So I kind of wonder if that's you know part of it was just that kind of shortcut the process if he was selling out for a run. Um, and then my big issue with that is there were plays where it worked awesome and he, you know, shed the block right away and either made the stop or at least was in on the play. Um, but there were plays that ended up being pass plays and he was basically useless because he had no momentum going to the quarterback right away. Um, that's something I don't, I'm not super worried about at the NFL level um, because I don't see that, you know, somebody's going to coach him up to just be able to, go from an edge rush to be like, oh, we're run defending now. Um, and, I, you know, I don't have any issue with his pass rush. I think he's a great run defender. Um, so I don't really have any issues with his game um, except for that one little thing. Um, what were your thoughts? So, I mean, I was hyping him up a little bit just when we started uh, before I get into my thoughts. Brother Roz, you the man. Good looking on the super chat. Let's see if we can start a trend. Who's going who's gonna to continue the super, uh, the super sticker trend? Um, it, it was weird to me how much he was lining up in different places and, you know, just not necessarily weird, but I'm just thinking, you know, is an NFL team going to use him that way? Like how much is he not going to be in the three point stance, you know, when it comes to the NFL game. And I felt like I just saw him, um, standing up, you know, a lot more than in the three point stance, but Maybe those were just his plays because those yeah. plays when he was lining up like that, he was blowing up the running back, uh, getting in there for sacks. Um, yeah, it's uh, he just seems like a really good downhill runner. Um, yeah, high motor, like you said, um, big time tackles. So I, I liked what I saw out of his highlights. So when you first started um, saying how you didn't like it, I was like, "What did I miss something?" Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I did. Like I said, I, I don't know. I must have just started off with a few cold plays, and I'm like, I didn't have to look at him yet. It was somebody that like I hadn't really dug into yet, and these guys, were, like the shout out Maddie Big Chess and Nate NFL, um, 
they were like, oh, Joseph Osai, like, just started talking about him. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll dig in. And I'm like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And uh, then uh, we were doing a mock draft or whatever, and they kept bringing him up. And I'm like, all right, I'll go look at him again. And thank, I'm glad I did because I really enjoyed his film the second time around. So he had some nice plays. That That's for sure. I mean, I've only watched the highlights of these guys as time goes on. I'm sure I'll watch more. But um, right. we got a lot. We got a lot of time to go before the season, and I'm exactly. waiting for the draft before I start getting more into like doing my rankings and especially and yeah, like landing that. landing spots and all that because all that I mean, so much can change between draft capital, landing spot opportunity, all that can just you know, an LB three could be an LB ten in a week, you know, just with how the draft falls. So I can't blame you there one bit. I mean, it is what it is. You know. And you even look at guys like Willie Gay, like Jordan Brooks, you know, guys who were really high, um, coaches really, really high on those guys, but the opportunity just literally wasn't there for them to play a decent amount of snaps. You know, like this year, I'm sure both of those guys get more opportunity, but yeah, it really, for defense, it well, for offense, it makes a difference too. I mean, it just does, but seems like defense is so crucial to where they land. Like Jeremy Chin, he doesn't go to the Panthers. We, we might not even be that hyped on him this right. year because who knows if he starts, you know, from game one. Yep. So open 24 hours. What up? What up? Said, damn, Alex, you're really earning that Twitter handle. Hustling like a motherfucker out here. Keep streaming and smoking. You know it. You know it. Yeah, just wait because um, I'm going to start doing after the NFL draft. I'm probably going to be doing like four to five mock drafts a week, just like still mixed in with the other stuff. But yeah, people love mock drafts. I know, man. Trust They're me, fun. I know. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe a couple times uh, when, when you, you get off work early or something, maybe you can get into them. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Another Miami guy, Jalen Phillips, who I was very, very impressed with. Jalen Phillips is my edge one. Um, for fantasy and probably as a prospect. Um, the big knock on him is going to be his injury history. Um, in three seasons, what? I think he – go ahead. I was going to say, what? yeah, tell us about his injury history. Yeah, his, so his injury history is a lot of concussions. Um, I mean, he had a concussion that ended his season after like four games. So, like, you know, he missed out on eight games because of a concussion. Um, so that's obviously super concerning. Um but again, like I said, you know, great production was a great player while he played, but he dealt with injuries. And oddly enough, he actually medically retired from football um, after the 2018 season. And I think he took a year off and then uh, transferred, entered the transfer portal in uh, 2019, ended up playing 2020 in Miami, thanks to Greg Russo leaving. And, uh, you know, balled out, you know, played really well. Still, I, I want to say he played all the games. So that was you know, good, obviously, but, uh, you know, that always is going to be there when you have that, that history. Um, so it is super concerning, uh, my defense to that. And it's kind of lame is like, you know, your, your career could end on any play. Like there's no, you know, you could be Ryan Shazier and just be done, you know? So, I mean, every player has that level of risk. Um, but Jalen Phillips, man, he, the way he not only defends the run, but also rushes the passer, you know, his versatility, be able to do both. He's guaranteed pretty much to be on the field. Um, and that's pretty huge for a rookie. 
I think he's going to get good draft capital too. I think he's a day one pick, if not day one, very early day two. Um, I look at the Jets to take him at the top of the second, honestly. Um, if he does slide that far, I don't think he will. But uh, the, like I said, the way he has that high motor again, that that pursuit from behind the ball carrier to run guys down as opposed to, you know, you see you see those edge defenders that like, oh, he ran past me. Like this guy will run you down. Um, <laughs> and that's something I really liked about Jalen Phillips. And then his, his pass rush is almost, you know, strategic you know it's it's surgical in a way where he'll actually set up the uh set up the uh the the tackles to you know if he struggles early you know he gets better throughout the game and that's usually you know a sign of a good pass rusher is he's learning from his mistakes in game instead of needing to get out of the game to go look at film and whether this is coach or whether it's him either way it's he's still able to make an in-game adjustment to better himself against that uh, tackle. Um, whereas, you know, like I said, the injuries at the end of the day are going to be a huge red flag. Um, I really like Tennessee to pick him in the first round. Um, Tennessee has shown in the past that they give zero fucks about um, any red flags. Uh, they drafted Jeffrey Simmons at, I think, 19 last year, coming off an ACL, coming off uh, domestic abuse allegations um, and all that. And they didn't care. They liked the player. And that's turning out pretty well for them. And I, this is something I would see them doing really well. He'd be a great fit there. They need, they need edge help because they have, they, they added Bud Dupree. I don't think it's the answer. Um, so I think this would be an awesome fit. Like I said, also they give no fucks about red flags they want. If he's the best player on the board, that's who they're taking. Um, and uh, for me, like I said, I, I comped him to TJ Watt. I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but it's like, Oddly enough, Bud Dupree played from played across from a guy named TJ Watt. So uh, that'd be a kind of an interesting little uh, duo to see down there. Um, like I said, Tennessee needs the edge help. They had five in it. Their sack leader was five and a half. Um, Harold Landry was the uh, was the sack leader last year, and just that's not going to get it done, man. You need more pass rush than that. But what do you think about Phillips? Uh, seemed just like a really, really high motor guy. Um, when I was looking at him, I, I was like, damn, this is like Joey Bosa. Like, like that, that's who yeah. I thought when I was, uh, when I was looking at him and it's funny how you mentioned, like, you know, he may miss on a play, but he'll like catch you and hawk you down. Like there was a couple, a couple plays where I saw where, you know, he kind of bit on the, um, on the option and, you know, they gave the ball to the running back. He went after the quarterback, but like just on a dime stop. Gets yep. the running back, you it's, know, and he, his, his athleticism <laughs> is crazy. You know, it, it really shows up in that. I know the exact play you're thinking of where, it, you know, and that is something where I think he in his head gets kind of pissed off at himself, but he takes it out on the running back instead <laughs> of himself. And uh, yeah, no, but I know exactly, I think I know exactly the player you're talking about, but that is one knock on him is he's usually pretty good against the run in that he can, you know, not only cover his gap, but he can kind of two gap and decide to make the switch to go to this gap instead if he feels the run going that way. And he's he's pretty good with inst- instincts in that regard too. Um, I'm a big fan of Phillips. Um, yeah, me too. From what from what I saw, and yeah, it would be crazy if he did end up going to Tennessee. Like Tennessee's rush was horrible last year, like horrible. So. Yeah, if um, he ends up going there and he ends up getting a chance to start right away, 
uh, yeah, that that'd be someone I'd be looking to uh, to draft very high in the uh, in the rookie drafts. All yeah. about landing spot for sure. Open twenty four hours. I just started playing IDP Dynasty last year. Any tips or sneaky tip in tips or sneaky tricks you got? IDP versus other IDP positions or IDP versus offensive positions. Hard to gauge value for me. So a lot of it does depend on your scoring system. You you just have to. I mean, what I like to do if, if just to kind of gauge, I will go look at twenty twenty stats. And I will just literally, you know, sort by all. And I will just see where the top defenders started mixing in. Like, that's the way that you have to do it because every league is so different. And once you kind of see where some of these top defenders match up against, you know, compared to what offensive players, then you can kind of go position by position. Usually linebackers, those are the bread and butter. Defensive linemen, that's like tight ends of offense, super, super scarce position. And DBs, they're almost kind of like wide receivers where there's a lot of them. Um, so there's a there's a couple really good ones at the top, but you can usually find value in the DBs. That's exactly how I break it down for newbies. Um, with you know, like you said, you touched on it with tight ends being similar to DLs. You know, where it's top heavy, but it's kind of deep after that. You know, it's kind of a pretty big tier in the in the second second third tier. Um, Hollywood. But uh, in the house, and then uh, linebackers. I usually compare to running backs um, in terms of value, and you know the consistent play. You know, getting tackles, getting plays too, the big plays too, and then DBs, wide receivers are a little more boomer bust. Um, but again, it's a much deeper position. You can usually find um, some pretty good DBs um, later um, outside of the top guys. So yeah, right on. And one thing I'll say, and you can, um, and you can give your two cents on it. In a lot of these IDP leagues, I mean, unless you're just playing like one IDP flex, two IDP flex, I mean, these top linebackers are so much better than the next tier. Your Devin White, your Darius Leonard's, Roquan Smith, Blake Martinez, Zach Cunningham, yep. Joe Schobert. I mean, those are the guys that if you get one or two of those guys, you will not have to worry about streaming and you'll never sit those guys either. So right. I feel like you got to go after some of these top linebackers because they are worth it. They're just like those top running backs that are almost like invaluable to uh, like replace. Yep. Yeah. I always, the way I always kind of attack, whether it's a startup or whatever is after like the, the RB ones and the wide receiver twos. That's when I want to hit IDP because your wide receiver three, who cares? Not going to be an impact on your team. But again, like I said, pay absolutely pay attention to the scoring because it, like in one startup I just did, not to trash league settings or anything like that, you know, the IDP scoring is not very good. So like I waited as long as I could, but then I went and started taking the studs, you know, and, and thank I started the run, thankfully, being the IDP guy in the league. <laughs> so thankfully there, but a little bit of a advantage. But uh other than that, then I, I took the studs and then I'm like, all right, dart throws on offense. And then I'm going to punt defense because it's all, you know, so deep at the position compared to the offensive side with how many starters we're doing. But yeah, I mean, league size is always going to play a role. Scoring is going to play a huge role. But uh, yeah, man, I, that's that's the best I got for you right now. Sounds good. I'm sure that helped him. Yeah, open 24 hours. 
Awesome that you uh, that you jumped into uh, IDP because either way, you will notice. I mean, you said you got into it last year. It's way more fun than offense only. Like anybody who says that offense only is more fun than IDP, th- they must have had a really really bad experience with a shitty commissioner, or they've just never played an IDP before. Because right. everybody who I've gotten into IDP, they say that they'll never go back to to playing like right. team defense. And most won't even play offense only now. They'd rather have a small IDP lineup versus, you know, no defense right. at all. Yep. Amen to that. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to that status. All right. Now, how do I say this guy's name? Aziz Ojulari? Aziz Ojulari. Yep. There Close enough. Out of Georgia. But, uh, this, this is one of the, you know, kind of interesting prospects in that he's super young. He's only 20 years old. Um. And it'll be 20 years old on draft day, you know, whatever. But uh, the fact that that's he's like super that. young, go ahead. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. 20 years old, I mean, that's like Tremaine Edmonds status, right? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. not too many 20 year olds that uh, we see coming or, in. The or my professional comp for him, uh, who came out last year, Caleb on Chason, who was also 20 years old. Nice. Um, if you look at those two, they're very similar in their, um, you know, their pass rush technique. They're both kind of fast and wild. Um, and I think. You know, Aziz Ojolari, he's the pass rush gem, not pass rush gem, but uh, kind of that if there was a best pass rusher upside, it's probably him in this class. Um, but he's not really a run defender. That's not going to be his game, at least off the rip. Um, he's like I said, he's going to need to develop that part of his game, which is concerning for me on the fact that I think he's going to be kind of pass rush dependent. Um, pass rush play dependent, I should say. Um, that's going to be more his style of play that I think uh, will be valuable. But uh, he, you can always develop into a run defender. It's harder to develop the other way. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's about how teams are going to want to use him. I think he's a day late day one, day two pick um, for me. But, again, like I said, he plays kind of fast and wild. He is a speed rusher. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but yeah, man, what do you think? So just seemed a little bit bigger, you know, than some of the guys out there. So it seemed a little bit raw to me. And um, one of those Absolutely. things to where he needs to be coached up, needs to be in the right system. And it's funny that you say that he's going to make his money off as like rushing pretty much or like nothing else at all. Um, I, I didn't see like, it was only like pass rushing stuff where he was getting to the QB um, a couple where he was taking down the running back, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Was he just pretty bad against the run? I think it was, I think it was just more, he was asked to do the pass rush stuff, but I, I don't think there were a lot of plays where it just seemed like he wasn't really like, I don't want to say like lack effort, but just didn't have the, you know, super drive to go make the tackles and stuff like that. So I just think that wasn't really his game. I think it was like, hey, you're after the quarterback. If it's a run, do what you got to do kind of a thing. Um, I could be wrong there. To me, it looked like he was more pass rush down. I don't think he played full snaps. So I okay. think think being mostly in on pass rush would make sense. Um, but again, like I said, and he's kind of a smaller frame, bigger body or taller body, but smaller frame. So going against a big running back, you know, not your best option if it's a guaranteed run play. And we know in the NFL, I mean, we have these specialists. So, you know, if someone gets him like literally to be that edge rusher, you know, who's in there more on second and third down, you know, than um, than uh, first down. I mean, 
at least we're seeing smarter coaches now. I, I don't know oh, what yeah. it is. Maybe it's just younger, you know, just some youth in there knowing that you got to use these guys, get, get the, use them for what they're good at. You know, don't try to like change up their game. Like I, I, I never understood that about some of these coaches, how you get someone for one reason, you know, cause of whatever they were good at. And then you try to go against that grain and make them do something else. Like I, I will never, I'll never understand that. <laughs> Yeah, no, man, I hear you. And, yeah, Open 24 Hours said uh, it's cool learning the game and a new strategy all over again. Yeah, IDP, it's – I wouldn't say it's a new strategy, but you definitely have to tweak whatever strategy you've ever had for offense only just because um, now you're playing with both sides of the ball. But I feel like if, even if you know a little bit about IDP, that's really all you need to know to, to be dangerous. Like you really do a lot of it, especially in redraft, it's all won and lost on the, uh, on the waiver wire anyways, for redraft. All right. Another Miami guy. So we got three guys coming out of Miami. I know Russo did, um, did red shirt, but, uh, Quincy Roche, another guy who looked like a beast, like all these guys just looked like, uh, really good NFL edge rushers. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not super huge on Roche. I think he's solid. Um he's not going to be like anywhere near my top 5, I don't think, maybe. But uh maybe he is. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see after the draft for sure. I'm not going to nail that down yet. But uh no, Roche was fine. Um it just seemed like he could get bullied on the uh on the tackle sometimes and get kind of hung up. There were sometimes too where you know the same tackle I was watching the Florida State game earlier to kind of refresh my memory on Roche. Roche. Um, and there were just times where like number 76, I think Washington is his name would just be like, Nope, you're done. Nope, you're done. Nope, you're done. And then they're finally like, you know, as the game wore on it, Roche finally started, you know, timing his, his swim, right. His hit, right. His chop, right. And actually getting around the guy and making some, doing some serious damage on plays. But, uh, Man, I don't know. I think it's just the the way he kind of gets bullied sometimes is um, concerning for me. Um, I think he's kind of a smaller frame to an extent. He's bigger than he's bigger than Ojolari. I think he can defend the run better. Um, but I don't think I think he's going to be kind of that, you know, that middle tier DL that like is a big name kind of because he got he gets drafted well, but like just never really amounts to a whole lot for your fantasy team, in my opinion. Yeah. Out of the three Miami guys that you had here, he, he was like the lowest of the three. Yep. Um, I mean, his highlights were, I mean, I've, I just watched the highlights or at least I have so far, obviously they're picking out the best ones, but right. his were kind of a little bit blah compared to some of the other guys. And um, so, I mean, I didn't see any of the plays where he's getting blown up, you know, necessarily, one, one good thing that I will say, at least about what I saw, a lot of his big highlights were coming in like big games. Um, sure. I think I saw something um, versus Trevor Lawrence where he uh, got Trevor Lawrence down on a nice sack. Um, I think I saw something versus Joe Burrow, if I'm not mistaken, something from last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's at least what I saw with the highlights. It was a lot of big games um, where I, I recognized the teams, a lot of top-end talent. So we shall see, but – Yep. Yeah, kind of blah compared to a lot of the other highlights um, that were here. For sure. 
Yeah, Wink and Willie. This is my first year for IDP and never looking back. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we are. We're very close to finishing uh, our our IDP draft, uh, or well, our our dynasty with IDP that uh, Wink and Willie is in. Nice. All right. Now, here we go. Before we get to the next guy. Got to remind everybody, new partner of the show is Monkey Knife Fight. You don't have to wait until football to go get some of the daily fantasy, you know, go go scratch that itch. Um, they have basketball, they have baseball. It looks The most popular things are the over-under. So for baseball, how many strikeouts, you know, over-under. Um, you do it on a couple pitchers, you can pick whatever game you want. Basketball, over-unders on, um, on certain players. So you can literally just go do some of these, um, go do some of these pickums and pick your favorite players. It's super easy. Go to monkeyknifefight.com. Go download the app. The link is in the description right now, and use the promo code Hustler. They're matching 100% of your deposit up to 100 bucks. So can literally get a free hundred dollars, you know, from them. Um, you got to play with that before you can uh, like cash out, but. Go win. I, I made a deposit uh, today, and I'm going to start playing, and I'm going to start having some picks in Discord, so it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Um, check out this promo video really quick, everybody, and I'm going to get some water and um, smoke a bowl, and uh, we'll be right back. Let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was a monkey knife fight. And one day, they met one team partners in the NFLPA. It's a match made in the pits of a monkey knife fight. And everyone lived happily ever after. Are you listening? This is big. What is a monkey knife fight? You know, it's the thing, monkeys, knives, you get it. Fantasy sports is monkey knife fight. And monkey knife fight is fantasy sports. Monkey knife fight is daily fantasy. Monkey knife fight in the house. I am monkey knife fight. You are monkey knife fight. We are all monkey knife fight. Monkey knife fight. You have the NFL PA behind the company. It's exciting for me to be a part of fantasy sports. When I think of fantasy sports, I think of beating all my buddies year in and year out and being able to brag about it. We're not just partners in it. We're owners. And it feels awesome to be an owner. I challenge you to a monkey knife fight. We've been saving you a seat at the table, monkey knife fight. Welcome to the one team and NFL PA family. Monkey knife fight. Welcome to the family, Monkey Knife Fight. Welcome to the game, Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight! I challenge you to a Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight! Monkey Knife Fight, Monkey Knife Fight, Monkey Knife Fight, Monkey Knife Fight. <laughs> woo woo. So the coolest thing about Monkey Knife Fight is they are partnered with the NFLPA and... The players, you know, get a piece of all this action. And so that's something that's super cool because I don't really cheer for any teams necessarily. I'm all about the players, so. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Amen to that. Yeah, man. No, Monkey Knife Fight is 
pretty awesome. I must say I made a ton of money on MMA, <laughs> actually betting on MMA. Yeah. Um, the uh, the uh, fantasy overrunners for those are awesome. Um, that's something to check out, get into that. You want to do a little research, but I, <laughs> I crushed it on MMA. That was like my... Uh, for a while there during the pandemic, that was my bread and butter. I made a uh, quite a handsome take on uh, on MMA. There we go. Nice. We might have to start. Uh, we might have to start a show where Bob's giving his MMA takes for Monkey Knife Fight. I don't even watch MMA. I just did like you know because they honestly, it's I I don't want to say it's easy because it's not. Like I lost plenty too, but like with with the props they give you, it's like. Okay, unless they get knocked out, like this is going to be, this is awesome. You know, like it's an easy over or an easy more because I think they do more or less. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, moving on. There we go. So we got Patrick Jones out of pit who uh, looked, looked very good. I love Patrick Jones. I uh, He was one of the first guys I watched. I was actually, I wasn't even watching film on him. I think I was watching film on Paris Ford. Uh, one of the DBs, and uh, I was like, who's that number 91 that keeps flying <laughs> off the line? Um, one of my favorite things about Patrick Jones is that his his jump off the line is just top tier, might be the best in this class um, with how quick his first move is. Um, and he does seem to have a bit of a toolkit. He's got a chop. He's got a swim. Um, his spin move is pretty solid. Um, the way he kind of gets off people, the way I will say that he does get caught up sometimes. Um, and being a smaller guy, smaller ish guy, he doesn't really have much for a bull rush. He kind of gets bogged up and that's the end of it. Um, and he's going to be more of a pass rusher. He's not really a run defender, um, much at all, but I really like Patrick Jones film right off the rip. Um, like I said, I wasn't even watching him when I discovered him. I was watching Paris Ford and I was like, who the heck's that other guy? And then I found a bunch of other guys on the pit D line that are pretty damn good too. But, uh, but no, I like Patrick Jones. Like I said, I think maybe he might be a late one. I think he's a day two guy, um, unfortunately, which kind of sucks. He's not getting any buzz. He didn't do real well at the senior bowl. Um, so I think he's a day two, maybe even an early day three guy, which really pains me to say, because he was one of my like first guys I really liked right off the bat. A lot of it, do you, do you think it has to do to his size? Because I know he's not that big, but, I mean, him getting off the ball was ridiculous, though. Yeah, his, like I said, his speed off the ball is, you know, if not number one in this class at edge, it's top three, five at worst. Um, yeah, I don't know size. I think the production, the smaller school, I just think there's there just isn't any buzz around him being drafted highly that makes me think he'll get drafted highly. Whereas all these other guys have something coming out like, oh, this team's interested in this and that. And the fact they didn't show real well at the, the senior bowl against other seniors and all that, like that's a time to really showcase yourself. And if you don't, you're almost falling down boards because you didn't, you know, quote unquote, rise to the occasion um, yeah. like you could have. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm still a fan. Um, he had solid production. He was a two-year starter at least. Um like I said, so I think he's got a shot, like I said, but I could see him going probably day two, um, like I said, which who knows what kind of uh, opportunity he's going to get at that price. Um, but we got to see. We got to wait and see, unfortunately, another week. Landing spot will be crucial. And back-to-back guys from Pitt, Rashad Weaver. 
I'm I'm also a big fan of Rashad Weaver. Um, his he's a super football IQ guy. Um, for an edge defender that can, like I said, I touched on it with Jalen Phillips, but Rashad Weaver is very similar um, in his just having a big brain. Um, the one play in particular that you know keeps coming to mind is he's you know in full pass rush mode. All of his body is going straight at the quarterback or, you know, fighting off the edge of the tackle to go to the quarterback. And he just senses something. He feels something. He notices something. And he's like, nope, you know, takes a full step back and reads the play for a second and, you know, makes a play to his left and goes and cuts off a halfback screen that seemingly nobody on the rest of the pit defense had a clue about, Um, you know, and, and swats the ball down, no problem. You know, to be able to, you know, just slow your roll like that and, you know, on a dime back up and just be like, no. You know, and he just, he has that big frame. He's like 6'5", super long arms, you know, kind of like J.J. Watt. Not built like J.J. Watt, but that similar kind of, you know, big, long build. Um, And then, like I said, the headiness is kind of just stop everything and go back. But, um, you know, solid, solid production in college. Not great. Um, not, you know, blowing the doors off anybody. The big knock on bigger knock on him is going to be his age. I think he'll be 23 by the time of the draft. Um, and possibly turning 24 over the summer. I believe he had an ACL injury that took him out for an entire season. Um, and instead of foregoing that season, he chose to, uh, keep playing for another year. Um, but yeah, I like him. I, I think another guy that's super landing spot dependent and when he gets drafted, um, I think there's a higher chance he goes day three, um, which he's at that point, you're, you know, you're hoping for a Max Crosby type of impact, you know, when he, uh, when he gets on the field. So what, what were your thoughts? I liked him. I, I think I liked his tape a little bit more than Jones. Um, both guys looked, looked pretty good to me, but yeah, um, there was a few plays where, like you said, he was going one way. I think I saw that that play that that you're talking about, where sure. yeah, he was. I mean, everybody was pretty much beat, you know, stopped, went for the play, swatted it down. Um, yeah, stuff like that is huge if you can make a difference like that. If you're not just super one dimensional, yeah. Um, so yeah, it seemed like a, I was seeing a lot of different plays, a couple plays of him even in coverage. Um, yeah, he had a, he had a lot of that too. He had a lot of pass defenses to his record, um, so that's something that you know is like in his game. Um, I think he was a three year starter, even started right the year after his injury. Um, so I mean, he he played a lot of ball, and you know, took a lot of reps and all that on a great pit defense. Um, that pit defense was you know one of the I believe one of the top in the country. Yeah, um, you know, so great coaching. You know, obviously that edge group, that D line coach has some has some stuff going on because between uh Weaver, uh Jones and uh Jalen Twyman, who's a defensive tackle who we're not gonna talk about today. We're not gonna talk about defensive tackles. But uh <laughs> that that defensive line was awesome. And the thing is, you know, I say there's three great guys on it. I don't think any one of them like overshadowed the other in a way that like, hey, this guy's only better because this guy's over here. They were all really good in their own ways and really, you know, I think they complemented each other, but I don't think the reason for their successes is solely because they were all around each other. I think they were just really good players, found themselves in good positions. Um, Weaver, like I said, I think is, 
you know, the headiest of the bunch and a real, he was a real like kind of captain of that defense. Yeah. And their defense was really legit. Like, yeah, if, yeah, really legit. All right. And so Quiddy pay out of Michigan. I, I love the, uh, the tape and the highlights that I saw from him. Quiddy pay is uh, one of the cooler stories in the NFL moved to the country, moved to the States from Nigeria when he was like 10 years old. Um, but yeah, no, real cool story. Uh, made his way to the NFL. Um, one of those cool, you know, I don't know, feel good stories. But, uh, you know, he, him at Michigan, I don't know what it is with Michigan, but they suck at developing talent because Quiddy Pay, I don't know, he's he's probably the best run defender in the class, better pure run edge defender. Um, but his passing game, like, it almost seems like he's geared to be super intensive against the run, but not as much against the pass. Um, like I said, his, his pass rush production was great. He was a great run defender though. Lots of tackles for loss, lots of you know, tackles, solo tackles, all that. But his pass rush, it just seems like he's a different player when he's trying to pass rush. And, you know, I'm hoping like my dream landing spot for him would be uh, the Los Angeles chargers at uh, 13. Uh, I comped him Melvin Ingram. Um, I think he can develop into a pass rusher, even though it's harder to develop into a pass rusher than a run defender. Um, but I think putting him with Brandon Staley across from Joey Bosa right off the bat, uh, Melvin Ingram's out of town. He'd have immediate opportunity to be on the field. Um, I think that would be an awesome spot for him. And with a defensive minded head coach, um, Brandon Staley, formerly of the LA Rams, um, who was oddly enough, a quarterback coach at one point in his career. So I think it's, <laughs> he, he's going to, I think he's going to be a really interesting coach. Honestly, he's one of my favorite coaching hires of the off season. Um, but no, I really like Quiddy Pay. You know, the way he attacks the run is special. You know, the way he sheds blocks is, like I said, top tier in this class, in my opinion. Um, but again, pass rushing is just not his forte yet. Um, his burst ain't great. Um, one of the first things I noticed from his film a lot when he's pass rushing, and I, you know, realizing that he's a really good run defender, I wonder if this plays a role, is that he, the way he kind of starts his rush is he'll pop up. And I think that's kind of feeling out to see if it's a run play or not. Now that I look back, but he'll pop up and then just like, okay, now run. So like he's using all of his energy to go straight up instead of forward. And I think somebody can coach that into him where it's like, Hey bud, no, you need to do this. Like you can, this is how we'll do this for you. You know, like we'll just kind of tweak him a little bit and then go. I really do like Quiddy Bay. He's my edge too. That's crazy that uh, so I mean that's something that I didn't really notice but yeah him just standing up instead of you know just just taking that step forward and uh, getting his momentum moving it, it moving was forward. it was weird for me to watch like I said just that that was the first thing I noticed it's like he springs up and, and instead of pushing forward you know like edges do like Patrick Jones prime example the second the ball is snapped he's going forward whereas with Quiddy Pay it's like this you know he does like a a plateau motion, but yeah, yeah. It's, I do like Quiddy Pay. I think, you know, and like I said, I think he's going to be immediately be an impact on the field. Um, at worst, he's, you know, a great run defender right off the bat. Um, probably the best pure run defender in the class at the edge position, if you ask me. And you think, yeah, I mean, you said potentially to the Chargers, but you think he's a, he's a day one pick? I, I lean that way. I could see, I could see him falling out though. It's, you know, this edge class is so finicky. And you look at it, you know, there's only like four or five teams that need edges, but they're all at the front of the draft. 
you know, except for you look at Cleveland was looking for one, but then they got Clowney. So, like, they're not really looking anymore. Baltimore could use one. Um, Tennessee, then you're looking at Atlanta really needs an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the Jets who really need an edge rusher. The, the Chargers could use one. They don't need one. They could use one, though. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's kind of – it depends if maybe they like somebody else and they just don't go pay. And then it gets picked up in the second. The, the edge class is going to have some serious value um, to be had um, because it's such an ambiguous class. And I think it's all – you know, like I said, I have Phillips number one. I have pay number two. Um, but again, it's like, you know, there's a top tier, but it's all like close. And then it's just the second tier is like all of these 10 guys almost, you know, or yeah. all, you know, seven of the other guys. And then there's one guy in tier three for me. So yeah. It's just, it's such a weird class. We shall see. I'm excited. Draft is finally here. <laughs> I know, man. We got a week away. Week away. All right. So Carlos Basham out of uh, Wake Forest is next on your list. Carlos Boogie Basham. Um, he's, Boogie. He's such an interesting case to me because he's like the weirdest thing about him that I notice is he wins with his feet more than he does with his hands. Um, and so what I mean by that is like he'll he'll go juke the tackle instead of like trying to ha- get handsy with him. And that usually puts him in a bad position. Sometimes he'll beat him outright with athleticism, but it seems like, and he seems like a strong dude. Like he doesn't look weak, but he just, I don't, maybe he's got shorter arms. I don't know. He doesn't feel like he can get the punch in. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like he went, when he wins, he wins more with his feet than with his hands. And when he wins bad or when he wins like really well, he's winning because he's using his hands and his feet. Um, Super athletic for how big he is. Um, you know, one of the kind of, I wouldn't say a sleeper prospect, but one of the kind of more under the radar in a way that like, no, he's, he's starting to get some round one draft talk too. Um, like a lot of these other guys aren't, you know, uh, Patrick Jones isn't getting any, Rashad Weaver isn't getting any. Um, the next guy we're talking about is like a very end of the round. Um, but yeah, Carlos Basham is such like such an interesting prospect to me. Um, I know there are, guys, there are guys who haven't met edge one and I'm like, Hey man, your process, I'm not going to get into it. Um, but I just, I don't see that. I see the upside. Cause like I said, when he wins and he's using his hands and his feet and his athleticism, he's winning bad and he's making, he's making, you know, left or right tackles look like foolish out there. But I just don't see that enough of him where it's like, Hey man, like, like against uh, Clemson was one of the games I just watched before we hopped on. It, it was just like this tackle isn't like a top prospect yet. And he's going to Clemson, so he might be next year. But, like, it's not like he's he should be kind of working this guy, and he just wasn't, you know, to me. So that was kind of, I don't know, a red flag. But like you said, when he wins and he's using his hands as well as his feet, that's when he does some damage. So, again, I think that could be coached. So round one might not be out of the question for him. It was good highlights. I mean, he definitely had had a good highlight reel. He was kind of towards the end of um, of all these guys because I watched him in order from top to bottom. So the last couple guys, I, I mean, I, I probably watched less of them than the first guys. But seems smart out there, that's for sure. I mean, does seem like really athletic. Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the juke moves because I swear I saw that, you know, more than a couple times where that, 
you know, just gave him that that separation to where it was real easy for him to get around um, whoever was was yep. guarding him at the time. But uh, yeah, landing landing spot is going to be crucial for so many of these guys. Like so crucial. That's why I. I'm not even thinking about rankings myself. Um, I like to get guys on here like you and put your feet to the fire, see what you think. And then when they actually uh, land, you know, then I, then I can start going through like an actual process, like for yeah, redraft people, for dynasty people. But yeah, absolutely. Last on the list, Jason Owen out of uh, Penn State. Penn State's defense was pretty good this year, weren't they? Yes, yes, they were. Jason Owe out of Penn State. Um, oddly enough, you know, as an edge rusher, he had zero sacks last year. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to be the red flag. But he is an athletic specimen. Um, the only person on Penn State, I think he either ran just under Micah Parsons uh, 40 or just above Micah Parsons 40. And Micah Parsons, I think, was at 439, and I think Owe beat him. So, I mean, this dude has wheels. But, again, it's like, okay, you'd like to see that athleticism translate a little bit, um, at least uh, at least to some sacks. But, like, he, just, he didn't have any this year. It's like, sorry, I was all out. Um, but, yeah, I'm not huge on Oway. There's a lot of guys who really love him. I think he's a younger prospect, too. I think he'll be 21 um, and, like, just turned 21, so he's a ripe 21. But – uh Man, I just I I wasn't a fan on the film. He looked not slow, but just he's a project player to me. You know, like I said, I put you know uh, uh, Jalen Phillips, Pay, probably Russo begrudgingly, or no Osai, then Russo begrudgingly. Then it's like tier two is everybody else, and then tier three is Jason Owe. You know, it's just with how you know I think he's such a project that. Like, yeah, he's super athletic and he's super freaky, but it's like you need to harness that. And the fact he couldn't at, you know, Penn State when the rest of the defense was doing pretty well, it's concerning. You know, it's hard to uh, hard to look at him, uh, not seriously, but as anything more than a, a late flyer in your rookie draft. Yeah, I mean, another guy who it's, it's really going to depend on, on where he goes. So he's uh, out of all these guys on the list. He's the lowest. You said he's your tier three, and everyone yeah. else is tier two or higher. Yeah. I'd say I'd say easily for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he's someone. You know, it's all going to be about landing spot. I, oh, I just man. can't wait. I'm like tired of talking about rookies. I love that we got to break down the defensive uh, linemen because got to break down every position. You know, because yep. people are going to be watching this like you know weeks and months later, thanking right. us for this kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to break them down. So I appreciate you coming on because we broke down the linebackers, we broke down the DBs last week, and we broke down the D linemen. Uh, make sure you go, if, if you're not subscribed to the Defense Wins Championships playlist within YouTube, um, just go check it out. Go to the my YouTube channel, Fantasy Football Hustler, click on playlists, and you'll see Defense Wins Championships. So everything IDP will just be right on that one um, series. So if you don't want to have to search for anything, just go subscribe to uh, to that series within YouTube. And um, tell everybody what you got going on, Bob. So you can find me at BobVan underscore IDP on Twitter. Um, right now, I just cranked out my last draft profile on one of my favorite linebackers, Chad Surratt, um, at 
fantasy six pack. Um, I'm doing a lot with the Dynasty Rewind YouTube. Um, you can find us over there at Dynasty Rewind. Um, we've been doing a lot of mock drafts, a lot of rookie breakdowns, and uh, we just dropped a episode kind of previewing the NFL draft. Um, we have a pretty awesome interview with Jennifer Pia- Piacenti. Um, dropping tomorrow on the channel. Um, talking about kind of women in fantasy sports. Um, that'll be a good watch. It's a good listen. I already listened to it. But, uh, but yeah, man, I'm just grinding on the Dynasty Rewind YouTube, grinding content. Um, I'll be on the Fantasy Six Pack Live show uh, next week for the draft. I know you got your draft too, but you know what? Whoever y'all want to watch, y'all go watch. Um, <laughs> I, I got no problem with you sticking with Hustler. If you want to come hang out with me for a bit, say hi, uh, talk shit about my takes. I don't care. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's what I got going on. I'm ready for this draft, like you said. Um, landing spot is going to be huge, but I love this process of looking at guys as just pure prospects. Because honestly, you know, a couple years back as a prime example, um, you know, everybody was like, oh, A.J. Brown's one of the best wide receiver prospects ever. And then he gets drafted to Tennessee. It's like, oh, we hate A.J. Brown now. And it's like, well, we shouldn't have because he's he's still freaking awesome. Um, you know, so it's kind of sure. like sometimes you got to adhere to, you know, prospect versus, you know, the draft capital is more the landing spot than the uh, landing spot itself. When you believe in the prospect, at least uh, you believe in the prospect, take your guy. And uh, that's all I got for you. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, can't, can't wait until the draft. We've been waiting for this forever, <laughs> but yep. I'm going to be doing more rookie drafts. And if you guys ever need uh, anybody else do a, to do a mock draft with you guys, let me know. I'm always excited to, uh, to jump on other mock drafts. IDP study is almost double, wears me out pre-draft a bit, always ready when the actual football starts. Yeah, and um, it, it's one of those things, as long as you catch up with everything, I, I mean, for a long time, I didn't really pay that much attention in the offseason. I was only doing redraft, but Dynasty's awesome. I like it, and I would rather be dipping my toe in like you are, Jaws, even if you're not doing full-fledged uh, research. It's not really that much extra work once football starts. Yeah, when football starts, it's like no extra work because they're all just mixed in with your free agents and everything. Right. All righty. Well, uh, appreciate you, dude, for coming on. Um, There we go. The rookie class. Last position broken down. Got a lot more stuff coming up. Um, got a couple interviews that I know are going to be coming next week. I don't know the dates, um, but I'm going to be going on a couple shows and got a draft show, I'm sure, coming up. And I'm going to be guesting on some draft shows. So a lot of stuff. I'm excited. Peace out, everybody. Go get signed up on Patreon. Peace out. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.